Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. 
know, not all things are going to wash ashore. I just returned from an amazing six-day trip in St. Martin. It was beautiful, and I had an amazing time. But I'm ready to get back into doing the things to get the things and um, diving into this great dialogue about how to get what you want in life. And um, this really speaks to my senses because I've always been curious as to why people have what they have. And some people never get what they want. And there's always excuses and stories and narratives and woulda, coulda, shoulda. And I really want to, um, we don't want to should all over everybody, but we're going to really dive into that because, you know, we all have those stories. Oh, you know, I missed the boat on that one and I was going to pull the trigger, but I didn't pull the trigger, you know, like homes that we didn't invest in or, courses that we didn't take or in businesses we didn't back that blew up. And we all have stories like that. And I love diving into this conversation because I actually had it while I was in St. Martin. And the, the conversation was like, every time I make an investment, whether it's an investment in myself, an investment in property, an investment in a business, the second I pull the trigger, I have that uh, blood rushing from my face into my gut, nervous, like, did I make the right decision? And it is so hard to actually take that risk and move into that space. So one of the things that I want to talk about in the 10 best ways to get what you want, I am going to be talking about risk. And I think, Brian, you can uh, you can speak to that. Am I correct? Where well, without you? without risk, there's no reward. And mm -hmm. you know, you've got to be able to take all things. And risk is such a bad word. You know, I mean, you, you can de uh, mystify the risk when you understand that you're not going to be good at anything uh, the first time you do it. So, you know, th that the expectation you're going to you know step up at the batter's box and hit a home run at Yankee Stadium your first time up at the plate is, is ridiculous. And any endeavor worth uh, trying for is, is, is going to involve some failure. And if you want to call that risk, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know that there's risk. I think there's far greater risk sitting on the couch, watching television, clicking through other people's lives and watching other people's lives and going out and getting it yourself. And you're going to pay the price one way or the other. You're going to pay the price of trying and not succeeding or the price of regret. You know, the price of regret is much, much costlier than the price of failure because hopefully you know you, you get closer to your goal every time you fail you have that set, setback and you, you learn a little bit whether you learn about yourself you learn about the things that don't work so you know I, you take take the the concern at risk out you know most of the people that are going to point at you and laugh at you and say ah oh, you're still selling cars ha 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 you know two three years from now they'll be asking you for a job and, and, you know, and, and anything that you do, try and be really good at, right? I, I'm a firm believer that there's all dignity, there's, there's dignity in all work. And the, the notion of digging in and doing a great job at whatever it is that you're doing seems to be something that's old fashioned, but hopefully it can make a comeback. And I, I agree. And, you know, I just think it's a matter of evaluating risks because no decision is actually a decision. And when I look at risk, so I, you know, I was really thinking about this when I decided to, to jump in this morning on like 10 best ways to get what you want and, and thinking about my journey of getting what I want. I, the reason I bring it up is because you can calculate risk, um, but we can all talk ourselves out of investment opportunities, relationships, uh, you know, courses, whatever it might be, because we're not willing to 
you know, where we can be very fear-based. And one of the things I wrote down, because, you know, I really dive into these conversations in my head and ask myself these questions. I wrote down, um, get advice for this is now, guys, just hear me out on this. I said, get advice from people that know, not people that care. Now, I don't mean like if people don't care, they only the people that know. Let me just get to why I said that to myself is that when I was first getting out of college, when I got out of college, it was $30,000 in debt. I had worked my way through college. So I had actually paid a lot of my college tuition bills, but no matter how hard I worked, I could not not take out loans. I just wasn't able to figure it out. And when I got out into the workforce, I was like really looking to make money. And I, I just am not interested in decorating that with some ornaments. I wanted to make money. I didn't want to get paid. I wanted to make wealth. I wanted to never be poor in my lifetime. I was like, this poor thing stinks. And I wanted to make money. And I started to, I found like a, a um, an interesting business uh, business opportunity where I was going door to door working on straight commission because in my brain, I was like, I'll just outwork everyone and I want to get compensated based on my hard work. And the advice I was getting was get a real job, go get a real job, get benefits, get salaries, get, you know, uh, make sure that you get two weeks paid vacation. And I'm like, yeah, but if I, no matter how hard I work and what value I bring to this organization, no one's going to care. I have to wait for somebody else to sub subjectively evaluate my my value. And I don't want to do that. I just want to outwork everyone and I want to make money. And then I want to figure out how to make more money. So I, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not going to decorate that. That's what I wanted to do because I was very focused on taking care of my brother with special needs and he could never take care of himself. And I very, at a very young age, I realized that if I do not put myself in a, a financially rich position, he could be institutionalized and that scared the pants off me. So I had to get out, get out there, but I, the best advice I got I, I said to my mentor, John, I said, you know, my people that love me are telling me that this is not the right path for me. I should get a real job. And it was very confusing to me. And he goes, do they have what you want? Have they reached financial freedom? Have they reached generational wealth? Are they able to take care of others? Are they able to give back? Ask me all these questions. I said, no, 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 no. They're broke as a joke and um, they just love me and I know their intentions are the best. And then he said, their intentions are the best, but they don't have the directions to get you from New Jersey to Panama because they've never been there. So you have to ask people that have been on that journey. So, and that landed with me. I was like, oh, you know what? You're right. How can you get advice on how to get anywhere if that person has never traveled that journey before? Get advice from the people that have been there. So when I say get advice from people that know that not people not not the people that care, just take inventory that people sometimes just have your best interest at heart, but they don't have the know all to actually give you the best advice. And somebody in that position, the best thing that they can say to you is. I applaud your ambitions, but I'm not the person to answer this because I've not been on, I've not found my way to that, you know, destination yet. I would recommend talking to X, Y, and Z. Let me lead you to the right people. And um, that advice changed the trajectory of my life. So does that land anyone, Brian? Yeah, yeah Barb, <laughs> my, my dad, when I, was, when I was like 23 years old, I, I, um, 
I had the opportunity to buy a co-op, a uh, an apartment that was going co-op in Great Neck, New York. It's a very nice part of the world. And the, the, the co-op, believe it or not, was about $35,000 with one bedroom, good size. And they had this sort of this insider's price because they wanted to get the building to flip. And so with 10% with down, $3,000 down, I was able to buy an apartment. And, and, I, and I didn't know a lot about real estate at that age, but I knew that I could buy and own the apartment for less than it was costing people to rent the apartment. So it made sense. And I bought the apartment. And after a couple of months of making payments, I, there were three other apartments in the building. And I had about $15,000 saved up. So I wanted to buy those three apartments. And my dad said, what the heck do you know about real, you know, real estate and renting the properties? And I didn't know anything really, but I said, but it just makes sense that I know that with the maintenance and the mortgage payment, the payment's about $700. I know the apartments are renting for about $1,000. And he said, yeah, but what, what do you know about that? What happens when they stop and they don't make the payment? You're going to have to make the payment. And I, I was younger and a little more nervous so i said yeah you're right and i didn't buy those three apartments fast forward once the building went co-op my thirty thousand dollar apartment was worth one hundred and twenty thousand dollars i turned three thousand dollars into one hundred seventeen thousand dollars and if i had bought the other three apartments i would have had a about a half a million dollar um journey there on nine thousand dollar investment in four years and i realized my dad loved me and does love me but he was not that was not an area of his expertise so what you're saying really hits home you've got to you know get advice from people that uh know about the subject that you're talking about and given the up and, and by the way those apartments today are about five hundred thousand dollars uh so you know given the opportunity to ask somebody to talk about somebody who's walked the walk you know seek advice from good people and and bar back up one thing you know the, the challenge in the title of this room is intriguing. The 10 best ways to get what you want in life. The first step before anything is to know what you want. And I think so many people, if you ask them what they want, they're going to give you generic knee jerk. I want to be happy. I want to be rich. I want to be successful without having to define what that means. You know, what, what does that mean? in your life and how specific and how granular can you get on that? And then once you've got that, put that damn thing on paper and spend the rest of your life going after it. And I promise you, you'll get it. Just spend every waking moment. That's the target. That's the target, like the heat seeking missile. And I think it really does start with that step, identifying what the heck it is that you want. Oh, and it's so important that you bring that up because the first thing I wrote down was you have to believe that you're also worthy of it. And that's a decision that you make. And a lot of people just don't have the right, oh, whoa, I don't know, I'm not smart enough, or just this negative self-talk. And what I love that, um, I was gonna say Molly Shannon, <laughs> Holly Shannon said in the previous uh, segment here on Breakfast with Champions, she said, I'm not the smartest person, and but she's running one of the top podcasts on the planet today. And I love when people say that because I think we place so much value, hey Gina, uh, on, like academic intelligence. And I think it's at the demise of uh, society and people like it's not it's your academic intelligence and how well you learn al algebra and algorithms and all that isn't the your predicator isn't the predictor of success where it starts with is, is in your headspace like do you you like what you believe you can achieve and it's such a cheesy little ditty that i just shared but you gotta you gotta you gotta take it and own it i don't you know 
cheesy or not, that's the truth. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're exactly right. God, I use that quote probably every five minutes. Um, so Brian, that's it. That's a great point. And writing it all down, deciding what you want. And you know, when I was married, my husband would say that all the time, know what you want and go for it. And it's such an interesting question to ask yourself, what is it that you want? And then get down to the granule, granule, oh my God, forget that word, then the smallest level. Granular, granular. <laughs> my God, granular, it's right up there with saucery, forget it. But uh, yeah, you know, and it's been, you know, those kind of questions, Brian, are so powerful if people write them down. And again, it's the power of the men. Write that question down. What is it that you want? And are you willing to do the work to go for it? And do you believe that you are worthy of it? So that it's just a, that's it. That was my first thing I wrote down. I was like, believe it. Choose to believe it. I used to listen to this song. Anybody know ABBA? I like dating oh my myself. Oh my <laughs> okay, there's a song. It's called, I don't know what it's called. Do we of all know course. ABBA? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's a song, you, and this is, okay, so I, for all those who don't know me, I'm one of two sets of twins, and my mom's a triplet. I grew up in, a, in we just were in financial ruin my whole, my whole childhood. We just couldn't get it together. And the worst feeling that I remember, one of the worst feelings, is checking out at the supermarket and my mother going to write a check, and they flagged us and we could know, and we had to turn around and leave our groceries there. Like we were just bouncing checks. We didn't have the money. And the next time I did a super, yeah. That's not embarrassing. I have an embarrassing ABBA story. So I mean, wait, I'm, in... I'm not even to the ABBA story. Well, I... Wait, oh, wait, wait, uh, not, I didn't, I didn't draw the line yet where you're going to leave. Oh, give me one second. Give me one second before you I only bounce the, the check. The that's not embarrassing. Wait. It's not, it wasn't the embarrassing part is I was a child and that well, I was hungry and that I wanted, we had loaded up this grocery cart and, you know, I we were buying all groceries. My mother's there were four kids. I have a special needs brother. We're always a crime scene. When we went out in public, there was just a lot of us and we were loading up the grocery cart and I was hungry. And I was like, my mom's like, let's do this. And next thing you know, we cannot check out. And, you know, it, it was embarrassing. And here's the ABBA story is that I found this song on the, one of the albums. Cause back then you listen to an album and it was like that. I don't know the name of the song. I think it's called money, but it's money, money, money. It's a, and I used to sing that. And I would say to myself, I am going to have, I am never not going to be able to check out of a damn supermarket. And that it was in that same time that I remember being like, oh no, this is never happening. I used to listen to that song over and over and over again. And it makes me laugh because when my friends would come over, I would sing it and dance on my, my, bed with the hairbrush in the hand. And um, listen, I, I just think you're, you know, you got to like program the mind. Okay, go ahead, Brian. That was my ABBA story. I had to, I had to, draw, well, I had to my, bring my, it in. My, mine's probably not as good, but I'm, I'm, I'm in Harlem. <laughs> I'm in a Honda S2000 convertible and the top is down and I'm on 125th street and the radio, the uh, iPod thing is not working. And I hit, you know, I, I reset it and it hits and I've stopped at a light and of course, the first, you know, it goes alphabetically. And the first track that comes on is ABBA and it's Dancing Queen. And I'm sitting there and it's blasting Dancing Queen. And all these really hard people are looking at me like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> Pardon me, sorry. <laughs> they're looking at me, and and I couldn't. You know, you ever have where you're trying to get something off of the iPad and it won't stop, and you can't. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Abba, 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 Abba. <laughs> I, I, I just, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong music, and I, I, I disclaim how that got to my iPod. I have no idea how it was on my iPod. I'm not a big fan of Abba. Oh, <laughs> I like that we were both singing. <laughs> oh, I, no, I wasn't singing. I was mortified. People were looking at me. I, you know, it's where you want that cool music to come on. It wasn't cool music. It was ABBA. <laughs> Farrah just commented in the room, Jen. She's like, Barbara and Brian are singing. <laughs> you're really missing out on this room if you're not coming in. I have to like us a couple of stupid ABBA stories. I'm in, I'm in Germany. I rent, I'm a young kid, I rent a Porsche 930 convertible, and uh, I pull up in front of this place, and everyone's looking, I start the car, vroom, vroom, and the music is Rick Astley at the time, so it's like, I guess, the late 80s, early 90s, or something, and the shift pattern on the Porsche in Germany was different, and I put the car in gear, and everyone's looking at me, and I come off the clutch and I accelerate, and I was in reverse, I slam into the car behind me, everyone's looking and laughing, I jam the car in first gear, come off the clutch, hit the car in front of me. I limped away. So, I mean, <laughs> anyhow, this, the, the things you do as a kid, I don't know. <laughs> well, let me bring us back onto, onto our topic. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Because we, we've lost our way, but I was, you know, you got to start programming your mind to believe in yourself. And that's kind of where it all embedded. I mean, as embarrassing as that moment was, and there were tons of moments and, you know, we eventually just got on food stamps and that's how we paid for our food. And, you know, these are all embedded in, in my history that I'm proud of because I made very distinct decisions based on that trauma of not being able to go home with these groceries. And God only knows what we ended up having for dinner uh, that night because we also had a very small kitchen. So it wasn't like we were able to like store food or that even Costco existed at the time, but it did change. It changed me. It made me very firm in my understanding of like, this is, and it was, you know, I don't know which was, if it was more embarrassing that, you know, people came over to us and they said, you know, you can no longer buy food here. And, you know, we, you know, we don't accept your checks. You can only pay in cash. And this is before credit cards and all that. And I, at the end of the day, it really just made me understand of like, this is not, what I want. I want to be able to pay for my food. And so I don't know if it was the humiliation or the fact that I was really hungry. And I think there were like donuts in the car, the cart. So I think it's a matter of believing it and embedding in the subconscious mind that you believe it. I believed it. My father said something very powerful to me once because he would take us to fancy car dealerships and to look at cars when morale in the family was low and he loved the Testarossa. And he would say, you know, I would get very confused because I'm like, we, can, we don't even have a car. Like we're driving around in a painter's van. Why do you think like, why are we looking at Testa Roses? I want a car that has seats like in four doors. And, you know, <laughs> I don't care about a fast car. These, and, he, and I'm like, we can't even afford X, Y, and Z. And he was like, 
and I was like, how can we ever afford something that's like a hundred thousand dollars? And I guess that's what it was at the time. I'm sure it's more now. Um, and he, he made a very Im impactful statement and it was like, somebody has got to buy it. We just have to figure out what they did to get it. And that's why I go back to what, um, Holly said is that she's not the smartest person on the planet and neither am I, I graduated 360. There was 360 students in the class. I graduated 180. And I remember getting my class rank and being like, well, hello, middle of the road and average girl. But I had extraordinary high aspirations and enough confidence in myself. I'm like, I'm going to follow the lead of people that have done well, and I'm going to live my best life. I am not going to always be here. I'm going to figure it out. I had enough confidence, gumption, and also purpose that I, I ultimately had to figure out. So I think the first thing that I would always say in the best ways to get out what you want in life is number one, you have to believe it. You have to know what you want. Like Brian just asked, ask yourself the question, what do you want? Like, what do you want? And then write it down. I that's you're 42% more likely to hit your goals just by writing it down. I talk about it in any of my courses, any of my accountability challenges, like without writing it down, you're keeping it in the dream state and get it, just get it down on paper and visualize it. Um, the second thing I wrote, Brian, was I quoted you. I wrote about books. Like, the, you, what do you say? You, that's the books you read and the people you surround yourself will determine where you're going to be in five years. It's the only difference between you and, and five years from now, the books you read and the people that you meet. And so be very intentional about both, especially, you know, I, I'm, I'm faced with that. I'm running out of time. I mean, and aren't we all? But, you know, knowing that these five-year increments right now, I've got to really optimize those. I don't have time to waste. And so, you know, wasting time with uh, books that don't mean anything or with people that don't mean anything is not on the agenda. You know, I've, I've moved closer to family now than ever. And with people that, uh, you know, that I can add to their lives and they can add to my lives in, in business and attraction has been uh, much greater. You know, and, and, and again, really getting that clarity on where you want to be, I think, is has been uh, very impactful for me. I wish I could you know, shake that into some of the young people that, you know, work with me that, you know, don't waste this time, you know, like a, a rocket ship, you, you know, the, the space shuttle will use more fuel getting out of the orbit uh, than it will uh, to travel around the earth once, you know, it's just droplets, it's just a little puff of air, but it's, this is the time when your rocket ship is taking off that you've got to be very intentional about the fuel that you feed the rocket. And the fuel is going to be people that stimulate, motivate, and encourage your best and highest aspirations and, and books that do the same. You know, you read, I know you had read that uh, Robin Sharma's 5am club, reading the book puts you in, in riches, puts you in different places, puts you in a different mindset, and it really can fast track your experience and your knowledge. And any of the big men and women in the world that are successful, I think, are, are, are voracious readers. You, you read the top five books that Elon Musk has read. You know, when I, when I read them, man, man, those are incredible. No wonder, no wonder he's got this insight. He didn't just wake up smart. He worked at it. Or Buffett, Warren Buffett reading 500 pages a day, 500 pages a day and how do you compete with somebody that's reading about 500 pages that will take them in the direction that they want to go in you, 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 you can't you know so I, I think being intentional about that's really important you know i remember in my 20s after i graduated college walking into a bookstore and i don't, I don't judge me walked into a bookstore and 
stumbled into like that self-help section and it there were books on how to like think and grow rich and um rick patino success is a choice i remember picking on that and then donald trump had written a book and there was something in there about real estate that i still use i think there's a hot mic hold on one second did we get it um and hold on let me see if i got it um i couldn't believe there were books on success i had never seen i don't know why listen this is before the internet it was, cell phones were just you know they were still being built into cars and well i guess the internet was taking place but the access to all this information it i just didn't hit my radar i don't know it just did not and i remember being like oh my god i couldn't buy enough books i couldn't believe like you could read about success well, well, and making well, money you get to leverage other yeah. people's experience you talk about trump and you know i know it's polarizing but i'm not talking about trump I'm talking about a book and he had the, the art of the comeback and during the 90s we hit a, a recession u.s economy hit a recession i was a young kid buying a lot of real estate and i had 24 investment properties at that time and the all of a sudden uh, the tax reform act of 86 had matured people were dumping investment real estate and i found um the, with that recession people weren't paying rent and i'm taking my savings to cover the rents to be on time with the mortgage and i'm getting calls at work from the bank prudential home mortgage mr benstock you're a little bit behind on the, on the payment yeah well, okay it's a rental house i'm waiting for the rent and and they were driving me crazy and i read trump's book the art of the comeback and and there was a, a line in there that said you know when you owe the bank a hundred thousand dollars and you can't pay them back you have a problem and the line went on to say, but when you owe the bank $100 million and you can't pay them back, they have a problem. And through hook or crook or by luck, I, I had all of my mortgages with a single bank, Prudential Home Mortgage. And I got tired of taking the calls every day at work. And I said to the guys, do me a favor, uh, take the properties back. Take them back. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I pay my home mortgage, but the people aren't paying the mortgage. They can't collect the rents. Do me a favor and take the, mortgage, uh, take the properties back. And the person said, well, let, let us call you back in a little while. And then a nice person called me back about an hour later. Hi, I'm Jenny from the workout department, and we want to help you. We want to help you work out of this. And all of a sudden, the tide had changed. All of a sudden, they, were, they became helpful to help me work out of the situation without impacting my credit, without taking the properties back. And it was just a line from a book from somebody that was at a, a, a completely different level than I was, but was going through some of the same stuff. And you know, all of a sudden, no, enough now. No, you're not gonna do this to me. You can't abuse me without my consent. I no longer concede to your abusing me. And you know, I, I understood the terms and the conditions and slowly but surely, we were able to work out of it. They said that some of the properties you got to put for sale, and, and and I did, and I sold one of the properties, and that gave me a little bit of workflow, cash flow to help with the other properties. And all of a sudden, the economy started to improve, and the tenants started to pay the rent, and, and I was able to work out of it. But prior to that, I was getting the nasty calls, and and, and it was going to impact my primary source of income, which is my job, because they were calling me at work. They were calling me nonstop. And, and, and I get it, they have a job to do. And, and so it's just, it's a, it's a silly example, but it's an example of how reading about a book and somebody else's experience can help you uh, get the experience without having to fail. And there's probably 10 million examples of that afterwards. I've had, Barbara, a gift in life. And one of the gifts, God seems to place the right book 
in my hands at the right time. And I've, I've had that experience for better than 40 years now. So I'm going to keep pressing that bet. That's a great story because so many, you know, we, so many times we hear about the good stuff, the, the outcome, the things that people are inspired by, but it is important to talk about the things, the setbacks, those moments of like where you're not sleeping at night and you're in sheer panic. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that. Well, the, the, line that I took from, and please, this isn't for everyone listening. We're not talking about the election or anything like that, but in the, I guess these were the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, I read in one of his books by waterfront real estate, there is only so much, um, waterfront property on the planet and you can never go wrong. And I have never, ever forgotten that. And I have, I have, been saying I've been like in the back of my mind that always uh that always rings true and I I just you know listen I it's on my list of things to do and uh get my head around so I absolutely uh love that so what else 10 best ways to get what you want in life believe it ask yourself what you want write it down uh, take the risk, but calculate it by getting advice from people that you really trust. Surround yourself with the right people and reading the right the right books. The the right am I saying this right? The right books. I think I still have Saint Martin on on, on my mind. Um, who else wanted to jump in and uh, join this conversation about the best ways to get what you want in life? Flash your mics, Barbara. Can I interject? Yes. Whose voice is that? Helen, We're right, before, right below you in pink. Oh, yes. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I love everything that you're saying. And the best way to get the things you want in life is what you said. But like, if I were to encapsulate that, just know that a combination of your IQ, your EQ and your AQ are going to get you there. And you need to just dive into the things that really exemplify that for you, like that you really can capitalize on. Because like you said, you don't always have to be the smartest person in the room with the biggest IQ. And I don't know about you, Barbara, but um, I'm very scrappy and I, I don't need a pedigree college or an IQ to hire somebody. Like I sometimes will take scrappy over over that any day of the week because they get stuff done and you get stuff done. Like you've had a lot of adversities and you've figured out how to use all of your best attributes to get what you need. So that's what I got from what you said. I love that you said that. And I, I choose grit. I'm like, I wish grit had like, if, if I could evaluate people's tenacity, their persistence, their perseverance, like, can you put that on your resume? Like, can you tell me what your level of grit, grit is? Are you going to like roll over on your back and play dead? Like a, a turtle that has been flipped over on its shell and be incapacitated when adverse adversity strikes or things like pop up. What is AQ again? adaptability quotient. So it really speaks to that resilience and that grit that you're talking about. And I think you can recognize that on somebody's resume or LinkedIn profile. Like if they change jobs like every four to six months, that's not AQ to me. That's not resilience. That's not um, the same thing. But maybe seeing somebody who hasn't taken a linear path and has 
dove into different things and done really well at it, that's somebody who's adapting and changing and evolving. And I, th and I think that's essentially what you're talking about. Um, at least that's what I got from it. Yes. I had never heard a, a cue before. So I, I appreciate hearing that. I have, to, I'm going to share something because this is very applicable to 10 ways to get what you want in life. So when I was managing sales teams in my twenties, I remember this one interview. You have to remember I did. Oh, now you have to remember. Nobody has to remember, but I want to share that I interviewed thousands of people because I ran a direct sales agency. So I had a ton of turnover and we were always kind of just building, expanding and scaling. So I did interview after interview after interview. And this is the one interview that stuck out. This girl had on her resume that she took six months and was one of the people on the Wienermobile, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And I should have said Oscar Mayer first. Sorry, folks. Breakfast with champions here. And I was like, tell me everything about that experience. So she had to take off maybe a semester off of college or and I don't I don't remember the details, but I remember her saying. She goes, everyone thought I was, it was the most reckless, irresponsible thing that I was doing because I was clearly driving around the country in the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile doing events and whatever. She goes, I learned so much. And we sat and talked and she was so interesting and I was fascinated. And I loved that story because it really stuck out to me. But what, what landed for me was more of her ability to just be like, I really just want to have, I want this experience and I'm willing to go for it. And now as I'm raising my three kids and I'm talking with more people and I'm really questioning these social constructs of go to college, get a good job and like, make sure you get your internship. I'm really questioning all of it. You know, I, I just, get interested in something and go try it. Don't hold yourselves to these social constructs, these paradigms that are so antiquated and archaic that you're not really living your best life. Like I'm trying to encourage my seven, eight, oh my God, 18 year old set off to college. I'm like, sure you want to go. I'm like, you don't want to take a gap year and go work or go work on a yacht in the Caribbean. And, you know, uh, like just, and uh, you know, literally go work on I a yacht. That plan. Right. <laughs> Isn't that a good plan? He's of course like, work no, for I'm going to right. work for nothing. Go work, go just be do an apprenticeship. Like what happened to the word of being a, you know, just being an apprentice and just learning from so following somebody around, I guess it's called an internship now. Anyway, I just appreciate these kind of dives into, you know, I think that what shows adaptability and flexibility and also open-mindedness of like, all right, let me go try it. L literally thousands of interviews. The only one I remember is the girl who talked to me about the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Is that landing for anybody? And is that girl here today? I don't know. Anyway, things right. that I, yeah. Really quickly, this is Monica. I, Hi, I actually Monica. Um, actually applied to be on the Oscar Mayer Wiener, Wiener Mobile last year because I thought it sounded like an amazing so adventure. So funny. And now I'm in my own van instead. I do not have a big hot dog on the top, but I'm still in a van. <laughs> what the hell is you guys? <laughs> talking it's about? very exclusive. You want to be on the Oscar Mayer Wiener movie. You know, okay. Brian, this is what makes, I think it's like, all right, let me like, just do things that fill your heart that that allow you to step out of your comfort zone and not fall into these social constructs that are so 
antiquated and archaic. And I, I keep saying to my kids, because listen, I want them to go to college. I want them to have the experience. I want them to do the things, but I also want them to live a full, robust life. And if college and academia is not for them, I don't want to send them to think, that they can achieve and and Guys, have all the riches. I'm going to live my best life. I'm going to the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Brian, don't disparage it. Six You're months on the Wiener. Exclusive position. To it's get it's actually it's first of all, there's program. only so many Wiener Mobiles out there. Okay, it's I don't definitely know many... a marketing program for that. <laughs> it's a huge experience because it takes you out of the what everybody else is doing that rat race. But I think it is actually propels you to the front of the line. Like you have to go out there and I don't know what you do on the Wienermobile anymore. I mean, I forget, but it's a marketing camp. What, what do they do, Monica? So let's not disparage the Wienermobile. Let's get back onto the 10 best ways to get what you want in life is to take risks. And if you see something out there, don't worry about what other people think because the, the other people's opinions is not going to put food on the table. So I say put yourself I, in environments to thrive. Go ahead. Who's who's that? It's ja Jasmine. Good morning. Um, I think I'm the perfect person to talk about that. Um, when I first went to China, I was 21 and I was only supposed to go for six months. And I wanted to leave after that. But my parents said, stay. We know you love learning Chinese. So I stayed another semester. The following semester, they gave me a scholarship. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be 26 when I graduate, all of my high school classmates are graduating at 21, but I can't say I'm more grateful that I graduated at 26 with a degree that I can say I can speak Chinese and I'm teaching languages and I love it. I'm actually doing something that I love. So I'm happy that I took that risk, though I couldn't see it at that time. And I'm debt free too, because I got a scholarship. So I would say definitely it's not what every what you see everybody else is doing something but if you have a um opportunity to do something different i think it's the best thing to do oh my god jasmine i love that it is about taking risks you said something very powerful in there that i can't i can't breeze over comparison is the thief of joy and when we compare ourselves oh my god everyone's going to get ahead if i don't start and finish now and in these again social constructs that we've man-made that we've built like you have to be you know you have to have your degree by 22 and have your internships and all these social constructs and all these boxes that we're supposed to to check and they suck the joy out of life and experiences because we're doing the things that we are told to do not that we are compelled to do not where curiosity leads us and they're meant to I, keep you in a box barbara say that again they're meant to put you in a box meant to put you in a box and ed i think that's a great line because i what i what i used to say to myself i remember when i decided to enter into tv in my 40s after battling stage three cancer this line went through my head like Oh my God, what are people going to think? Because I had never done television before, but I was committed to never playing small again. After I survived 12, uh, 12 rounds of chemo, six months of chemo, I was like, I am not, if I get another shot at life, I'm never playing small again. And TV was what I always talked myself out of. But here's what went through my head. And when I heard myself say it, I was like, that's ridiculous. I said to myself, what are other people going to think? 
ooh, what are other people gonna say? And that was just a narrative and a line that would just troll through my head and absolutely be so destructive in its wake, completely destructive. And there isn't a person listening to me that hasn't said, oh my God, what are people gonna say? And what are people gonna think? Then you have to follow that up with, I don't actually care. They are not putting food on my table. They are not writing the story of my life. And unless this affects them, I don't care. And I took inventory of FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. And I was like, I no longer care what other people think. Because my thought was like, if I go on television, I'm gonna have to be in, I'm gonna have to be in probably the bowels of New Jersey speaking on like a dumpster fire sewer explosion because I was I had never done television before. So I don't know where they're gonna plant me. But I had but I and I thought, wow, what are people gonna think if I'm just like just out there, you know, doing these things when I've clear I've already launched, I've already been successful in these other undertakings. And I was like, wait a second. I no longer care what other people think. I'm living out my dream of being on television and I have to be in the bowels of New York, New, New, you know, Newark, New Jersey talking about a dumpster fire. I am going to be the best dumpster fire news reporter on planet earth. And it was so liberating to, to all of a sudden realize that voice was nothing but a toxic decision. And I got rid of it. It can be so powerful. So thank you, Jasmine, for bringing that up, because I think so many of us actually care. And we we compare ourselves to what other people are doing. And by the way, my first assignment was on the Today Show, which is like crazy, totally crazy crazy pants. And I absolutely loved it. But I would have taken that dumpster fire in Newark, New Jersey. And that's an important concept in the best ways to get to get what you want out of life is to take inventory of the way that you perceive yourself and and what kind of weight you put on the on uh, other people's opinions. Um, who else wanted to jump in there? I'll just keep singing and talking. So guys, we're talking this Good morning, morning. Barbara. Here, Good morning, here, this is Dr. O, the med spa professor. Go ahead. This is the med spa. Go ahead. Hi, Barbara. Yeah, so I wanted to chime in. Thank you so much for um, really sharing your family's story. I feel like a lot of times when you're going on your journey and you're trying to figure out what you're trying to do to get what you want, there's so many people that are going to come to you to try to tell you what they think you should have or what they think you should want or how you should actually go about getting it. Um, one of the things that I found in my path is earlier on, I would listen and listen and take everyone's opinion and be like, oh, they know more than me, or they've been doing this longer, forgetting that the vision that I have for myself and the idea that I have to build the life of my dreams is actually in my heart, in my spirit, is within me. And the only person that can bring it out is me. So I had to get to the point in my journey where I'm like, okay, I listen to ideas, I listen to opinions, I listen to suggestions and advice, but I come back to within myself to say, what really rings true to me? What is really authentic to who I am? How is this going to really play out for me, for my kids, for the people that I'm working with and working for? So I work from that place and I build out from there. So regardless of what anybody else thinks or what they have to say, whether I make or break myself in the process, at least I know that I did it from a place of authenticity and I did it because it was something that I truly, truly believed in. And that is been what has worked for me. So thank you for allowing me to share, Bob. Yes, I absolutely love that. I feel that 
you know, I didn't have my breakthrough until I had my breakdown in cancer. And I just decided I would rather fail trying than ever fail to not try. I mean, I just got tired of, you know, when I took really stock of all the things I left on the table. So I didn't think I was going to get through chemo. And fortunately on round eight or nine, my oncologist did dial down my chemo because I was not handling it very well. Um, and I thought, wow, if this is where my story ends, I left so much left unsaid, like so many experiences that I just didn't get to kind of feast from. And it, it really did change me. I would rather just leave it all out in the field, have great stories to share. And, you know, I, I say this to Brian all the time. I'm like, I will have lived a really good life if my last check bounces, which I don't think it's gonna, but I am literally leaving it all out on the field. And that's how I navigate. But encourage people not to wait until they're confronted with their own mortality before they, you know, remove negative self-talk and they, you know, really start surrounding themselves with people that, you know, bring out the best in them and inspire them and read books that are just elevating and, and, and challenging our curiosity and you know, just, just moving into higher planes of, of opportunity. And I posted, guys, I posted my link up at the top. It's, you know, it's already underway. We are actually officially at our halfway mark. Um, it's a 90 day summer series and what it is, it's a challenge. It's a, a 90 day workout every single day for 30 minutes a day. And we're at the halfway mark. But I'm finding that it is such an incredible, an incredible program. And there's a bunch of us on the stage right now that are all doing it. Um, it's been transformative. And if anybody wants to jump in in the middle of it, it is so much more it about, you know, challenging yourself and pushing yourself and following through and taking that investment in yourself, like throwing yourself in the uncomfortable situation. Like, yeah, working out every single day for 90 days is not is a challenge, but it's not impossible. And I'm absolutely loving it. And if anybody wants to join in midway, we're happy to invite people into our group. Um, but you want to jump on it now because when it's over, it's over. And Although it's I going be doing it by too fast. I never knew group community support. I would work out 45 days in a row. It's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? I, I personally, I'm like, I think this was genius because I I'm very much when I say I'm going to do something, especially in a public way, there is no way I'm not doing it, whether it's an event, a marathon, like, I'm like, all right, I'm doing the things to get the things. And I'm absolutely loving it. And even yesterday, when we had a big travel day to come back from St. Martin, I was like up, set the alarm up early. I was like, nope, I'm getting my walk in and I went swimming and uh, I'm absolutely loving it. So if any, you know, I just wanted to pin that link and offer that up because I, I do love it. And I love our little, our, our, our growing community, I, I should say. So 10 ways to get what you want in life. We've got eight more minutes. If anybody hey, else wants to unmike and it's yeah. Barb. So when you're done yours, is Brian's going to be a 365 day workout at 4 a.m.? It'll be 91 days. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Gina, I yes, saw you I'm here. Sorry, I had to change my uh, audio setting, but I just want to say I, I completely agree with you. Uh, if anyone here does not know who I am, I'm Gina Skelton, known as the Momerator, co-founder of an incredible community, which so many of you are familiar with. If you are not, it is the Mom Link. We are the most valuable network of mompreneurs and women in business on the planet. 
Uh, we empower, encourage, uplift each other. We scale business together. Barbara knows me very well. Her and I have done a lot of life together. It has been such an honor to walk side such a queen as her. And she's absolutely right. You know, I've the last year, um, the goals, the dreams, everything that I've built with this community, with this business has now come to fruition and to see it, you know, coming together before your very eyes to see, you know, powerful women being a part of this and to see this scale to a multi-million dollar business. Like I want to say, Barbara, if you're not doing things that wake you up in the middle of the night and scare the shit out of you, then you're, then you need to dream bigger Then you need bigger goals. Right. And what did Lisa Copeland say at 10 X ladies, feel the fear and do it anyway. And that, that fear is an innate part of a, who we are as animals. Um, it's there to protect us and to keep us where we are, to keep us safe, right? But we have to understand the part of the animal mind and then the part where our spirit knows that it's destined for greatness. And we, if we don't overcome and conquer things and achieve all of our goals, then I, I feel like we're living truly unfulfilled. And I just want to inspire everyone today to take a moment and to think about, are they so inspired that they wake up that they're like, okay, I have to get this done. And, and are they sacrificing things for it? And are they knowing that there are things that they will never sacrifice for this dream and this goal? And I just encourage everyone today to kind of get those things in your mind. If you, if you don't have a dream that scares the shit out of you, that that wakes you up in the middle of the night. I want you guys to dream that dream, dream that bigness, that fullness, that, that, you know, conquer the world kind of dream and surround yourself with people who are going to get you there because the, the, the skills, the resource, the, the knowledge, all that stuff comes. If you have the determination, if you have the know-how, if you, you know, look at the, if you listen to the doubts and the voices in your head and every single one of them, you go, Nope, I'm fully equipped. No, nope, I'm totally capable. Nope. I'm, I am, you know, a, a destined and ordained for greatness to accomplish this. God puts dreams on our heart for a reason. And I, and I believe right now, Barbara, and you know, you know that I feel this and I know that you feel this like right now, especially I want the women in the room to listen up right now women need to get serious. We need to really understand that we have to step in our greatness because the future of the world, the future of females in business and our children depend right now on us making history to ensure that women are being successful, are running their businesses correctly, are coming into a community of other women that are lifting them up. It's, it is time now we have to stop playing small. I want every single woman in this room today to commit with me to play at their fullest potentials because we can't afford not to. We have to have double the work, double the amount of accolades for, for us to be able to elevate ourselves to the place that, you know, men have things easily accessible to the tip of their fingers. I listen to my husband on calls and there's, you know, none of these men have a bat an eye when they have to give, you know, large sums of money to invest in. I want women to have the same seat at the table and the same feeling and confidence in investing money and, and investing in themselves as men do. And I know that there are some of us right now that are listening that are, that are still not owning our power and not owning our value. And I want to, I want us to like, let go of that right now. Come, 
in our minds together. We're going to let go of that right now. And we're all going to commit to playing big. That's something Barbara does. That's something I'm committed to. I know Amelia's committed to. There's so many women on this stage that I know that are committed to that. And I want us all to go to that level today. So please, 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 I encourage you guys, follow me, follow the mom link, become a part of this community, do what Barbara says, do these 90 day challenges, get these confidence, and let's continue to rise as females who are making a huge impact on the world. I hope you guys are all fired up. Uh, I am today and I'm gonna pass Barbara back the mic. Gina, thank you so much. Yes, I've witnessed the mom link, guys. Please follow Gina, and I've got to lock this down because the room is done. We have to filter into the other room. Um, Dora Maria, I think you were going to post the link, guys. I'm Barbara Majeski um, with Breakfast with Champions, so make sure you're following the club. We are we close these rooms and move over to the next room so that we can keep this on a podcast. Uh, Dora Maria just shared the link. I want to thank everyone. Feel free to DM me if you have any questions. Um, I love talking about the 10 best ways to get what you want in life. Um, I love talking about today and every day. Thank you guys for joining us. And we'll head over to that room now. Dora Maria, is there anything else we need to add? Can no, one more question it. Once it's open, we shuttle over. <laughs> Let's go, let's go, let's go. Don't make me start singing more ABBA songs. Let's move it. Or does, there's gotta Great be good job ABBA this song. morning, Barbara. Thank you, my friend. Bye, All right. Good <laughs> Hey, Grant, you, we're heading over to the other room right now. Grab the link at the top of the room. Yeah. Hey, Barbara, put the link in the chat so I can get there. Open the oh, room. okay. Open oh, the my room. goodness. That might be like an advanced. Doesn't think that it's open. The room is not open, guys. The room is not oh, open. Oh, I'll go open it. Okay. Go to it. Oh. It, it looks like we've missed the window to open it. I may have to recreate it. So give me a minute. Okay. All right. Barbara. So, um, <laughs> Barbara's going to sing for us. Barbara. I'm going to keep singing the ABBA song. Um, Who wanted to jump in there? I hear Barbara, a voice. Can you do the Oscar Mayer Wiener song? Um, they're the uh, no, <laughs> can I you? My, my baloney has the first name is coming to mind. What it's O S C A R. I wish it was Oscar Mayer Wiener. That is what I truly like to be. And if I was not Oscar Mayer Wiener, come on, come on. I am only yes. coming up with my baloney has a first name. <laughs> my, my what is my first name? The baloney. I am in the right space, right? Like I'm in. <laughs> is it, I, I don't know. All right, I'm in the right lane. Dora Maria, did we fix the link? Is the big question. Go to link. Uh, this conversation has ended. Um, no, I do again. And uh, Deborah DMs me in the back channels. I do like conversations that shift and recognize that we conform to social constructs. This, uh, this going to college, getting a good job, getting your internship, working in an office, like all of it, it needs, it's shifting, shifting, shifting. And I probably need to open up a room and talk about it soon because I am really, uh, I'm pretty obsessed with that conversation. I and, haven't seen uh, a bearing it all room in a while. Used to do that on Thursdays. I know. I got to get that going um, again. And we need to do some more CEO central rooms. I'm getting uh, requests from Ed and a bunch of other people about those rooms. You know, it's just getting crazy. We're doing a million ma man marathon 
get together and that's going to be a ton of fun. Anybody's interested in that, that party, that'll be a party. Um, and you know, I'm head, I'm working with Sharon Lecter to write a book. So I've got my hands full. Oh, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys need to read that book. Cause it's going to be funny. I'm, I'm now going to be talking about the power of the black pants. And for anybody that didn't hear the story of the black pants, you are missing out because I need <laughs> the bears repeating because it's landed for so many. How many of you guys like the, the legend of the black pants? Not the story. Isn't it the legend the, of the black pants? The legend of the black pants. If you didn't hear it, I have to keep talking about it because I think it's landing for a lot of people. Okay. We've got. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.